At the start of 2020, the economic picture for Black Americans was the best on record. The unemployment rate was at a historic low, and wages were rising. But then, as coronavirus shut down businesses across the country, that progress unraveled. The African-American unemployment rate in April was 16.7%. For whites, it was 14.2%. So just just astonishingly high levels of unemployment for everyone. But economists started to say this is a situation that could especially affect the African-American community. Amira Amokwe covers economics, and she's been following the Black job market for years. She says what's happened to Black workers this year is part of a more complicated economic picture that could spell a long road to recovery. The pandemic hit in such a hard way that it really exposed how fragile the economic circumstances of many African-Americans are. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. It's Thursday, June 11th. Coming up on the show, why the best employment numbers for Black Americans on record were actually more fragile than they seemed, and what that means for the recovery. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com journal. Terms and conditions apply. Black employment may have been at record levels to start 2020, but getting there took many years. Even though the economy had been expanding for the past decade, it wasn't always easy for Black workers to get ahead. Like Lakeisha Hubachek. I'm Lakeisha Hubachek. I live in a small, small suburb near the Dallas area. Lakeisha had a steady job in accounting for many years. But in 2014, she got laid off. And after that, she could only find temporary work. When you're working temp jobs or contract work, it's very unstable situation. You don't know when you're going to be called in one day and someone tell you, okay, your contract's fixing the end or we don't need you anymore today or and then you're back out in the job market. Lakeisha was applying for full-time roles, but she couldn't really hold out for the perfect job. Around that time, her husband passed away. Money was tight and Lakeisha was on her own to support her family. So she had to take whatever role she could find. After a while, Lakeisha realized that having lots of temporary work on her resume was starting to count against her. I would have situations where I would interview for a permanent job, and then, of course, they go over your job history. And the attitude was a lot of questioning, like, well, how long did you work this temp job? How long were you there? What happened? Yeah, I could see them being a little bit more reluctant to hire someone who did multiple stints of temp work. Do you feel like you got judged as a Black American? Oh, yeah, definitely. I feel like Black people, we the first to get laid off, last to get hired. 
<laughs> for sure. I feel like people start questioning your work ethic a bit more as being a black female. I've gone into interviews and I could tell immediately that they didn't know I was black. Huh. My last name is Hubachek. That's my married last name. I didn't realize this was going on until someone actually remarked to me in an interview going, oh, with your name. I thought you were from Eastern Europe or something. And then it clicked. I was like, oh, okay." (laughs) And how did you feel at that moment? Just low. I was just like, "Okay, (laughs) my resume speaks for itself. It's just the idea that I was brought into this interview probably because they didn't think I was black. Lakeisha wasn't alone in her struggle to find full-time work. Here's Amara. So when you think about factors that can be barriers to employment, those sorts of things affect the African-American community. So higher rates of criminal records, gaps in employment, those sorts of things were structural sort of barriers for African-Americans in the labor market. As a result of those barriers, Black workers are more likely to have short-term or temporary jobs. Government data shows that Black employees have, on average, 17 months less tenure at their jobs than white workers. But in the last few years, as the economy kept expanding, the labor market got more competitive. And so what we saw was employers starting to, for instance, consider people who had a more spotty history of employment. And so this just opened up job opportunities to a wider swath of people. And African-Americans were beneficiaries of that. It was around this time that Lakeisha finally found a full-time role, an accounting job with a hotel chain, Remington. When they did finally call me a week later saying that they wanted to offer me the position, I was overjoyed. I was cautiously optimistic, but I was overjoyed as well. Getting a new job is like being in a new romance. You know, you meet somebody, you talk with them, and you're like all excited, but you're like, okay, don't get too excited, girl, you know. And how is having a permanent job different from temping and contract work? Permanent was good because I felt like I'd be able to not worry about the insurance thing if I got sick. And then, you know, I'd be able to go back to school. They had a program where they paid for my schooling, so that was good. And I just saw, like, I could actually be able to focus on other things than just surviving and just working. And then I want to move up. I want to learn what I have to learn, get a good education, and possibly think about moving up. This job gave Lakeisha a pathway to economic stability. She could advance her career, take on bigger roles, and get back to saving some money. And more and more Black Americans were starting to get on that kind of path, too. Here's Amara. So we saw the unemployment rate was 5.8%. And that was near the lowest on records going back to 1972. We saw a narrowing of the gap in the unemployment rate between Black Americans and white Americans. And we also saw wages finally start to accelerate. And so it took a while, but finally, as the expansion sort of was reaching its lengthiest stage, we saw Black Americans really starting to benefit in the labor market. Then the pandemic hit. And suddenly, millions of people lost their jobs. It's interesting because we saw the unemployment rate kind of spike for everyone early on in the pandemic. But one thing that really struck me when we were reporting this story is that the unemployment 
levels that we saw when the pandemic happened were really unprecedented for Americans in general, but not so for African-Americans. Black unemployment has been over 10% in the past. So while everyone was like, this is terrible, like these are the worst unemployment numbers we've ever seen, that was not the case for African-Americans. And now, as businesses start to dig out from the initial hit of the pandemic, there are warning signs that the recovery could be slower for Black workers. We talked to Valerie Wilson, an economist at the Economic Policy Institute, who said, essentially, the job losses were across the board, but it's already looking like the recovery will not be. In May, we saw the overall unemployment rate drop, and we also saw the unemployment rate for whites and Hispanics come down, whereas for African Americans, it ticked up. And so there is concern that the recovery for African-Americans could potentially lag other groups. One big reason for that lag, coming up after the break. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash journal. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Workday. Get the whole band together with Workday and pair finance and HR on one platform for an epic performance. With Workday AI at the core, you'll make confident decisions faster than ever. And you'll drive flawless business and finance operations with an agile platform that constantly evolves to future-proof your organization. Be a finance and HR rock star with Workday. Visit Workday.com to learn more. Welcome back. The hotel company Lakeisha worked at was hit hard by the pandemic. After lockdown orders and travel bans took effect, hotels emptied out. Like many of her coworkers, Lakeisha was put on a furlough. Then last month, she got a message from work. So when I got an email saying that they wanted to do an over-the-phone meeting with our accounts payable team, I was all excited. I was like, okay, well, it must mean they're trying to bring us back to work because a lot of our hotels closed, but then some of them have now reopened. So we got on the call, and then... My boss was on the call, and then my boss's boss was on the call, and then HR was on the call. And I know whenever HR is on the call, that's never good. Like, my heart's like, I knew it. I was like, not again. Lakeisha was laid off. Now she's trying to figure out how to get by in the coming weeks and months. Because during all those years that she was temping and working contract jobs, she wasn't able to save much. Savings is very hard with temp work because you don't know when you're not going to have a job or how long you're not going to have a job. It could be a week, two weeks, a month, two months. And, you know, there's no 401k doing contract work and temp work. Amara says many Black families are short on savings, in part because of those years of high unemployment and lagging wages. And that could make weathering this economic downturn especially difficult. If we're thinking about Can a family rely on a cash buffer? Can a family rely on wealth that's perhaps tied up in 
a home. As a group, African-Americans tend to have less wealth. They tend to have less savings. They tend to have less of the things that people rely on when there is an economic downturn. Data, for instance, from the Federal Reserve shows that the median net worth for African-American families in 2016 was almost $18,000, whereas for white households, it was $171,000. That's 10 times the amount. 10 times, right. And so that sort of thing could hinder their ability to bounce back from this huge shock that the coronavirus pandemic has posed. Lakeisha was well aware of this disparity. I listen to a lot of news and different people on YouTube and different people, and they're talking about not putting your eggs in one basket and building generational wealth within the Black community and for Black people. And the wage disparities and the housing disparities between, you know, Black people and the rest of the nation, that was very disturbing. It was very eye-opening. I had no idea that, you know, Black home ownership is down. And I really really wanted to own my own home or own my own business. Lakeisha has tried to build wealth outside of a traditional job. On the side, she runs a small skincare company to bring in extra income. Lately, she's been focusing more on that business, which recently saw an unexpected boost in sales because one of the products she sells is hand sanitizer. When hand sanitizer went bye-bye... <laughs> uh-huh. Suddenly, my demand went up. Like, it went, like, literally overnight, it went crazy. Did you think about expanding your business? Yeah. I mean, I did started adding more products and doing more things and started pumping more money in cautiously into, into more advertising. But it's hard to balance that when you're having to use your own money. You're like, okay, am I going to have a job? I was terrified. I can't spend too much money, you know. <laughs> Right. Because it's like, I may need that. I may need those savings. Did you think about going to a bank to get a loan to expand? No. I don't have the credit I don't for that. I don't have any kind of collateral or anything like that to offer them. Throughout my reporting on this pandemic, I've talked to a lot of Black small business owners who say, you know, access to capital to start our companies and grow our companies is a challenge, right? Like, Black business owners don't necessarily feel the same freedom to be an entrepreneur or innovate or grow in the ways that other groups might because of these historic challenges like discriminatory lending practices. And I sort of heard Lakeisha sort of expressing those same ideas. The struggles Black Americans face have been laid bare not only by the pandemic, but also by the George Floyd protests, which have sparked a national conversation about racism and inequality. These protests are especially focused on police brutality and excessive policing in Black communities. Amara says that these issues are linked to economic instability. In Minneapolis, for instance, where George Floyd was killed, research from the Brookings Institution shows that Blacks are stopped at a disproportionate rate by police compared to their population, right? And so then you wonder, okay, because Black people are interacting with police more, does that then lead them to be incarcerated more? And then when they come out, they're then more likely to have difficulty getting a job. So all of these things are connected. And I think 
that is something that some experts and economists are actually talking about right now. Like, does this moment of the pandemic plus George Floyd's killing and the subsequent social unrest offer us an opportunity to look at how all these things are intertwined and to start making policy that really addresses sort of the insidiousness of inequality because of how intertwined these various factors are. It's a thought that Lakeisha has in this moment, too. As a Black woman during these times and days, this whole thing with George Floyd and the protest movement, which I'm behind and I support, it is really, I tell people that the pandemic has been good and bad because it has exposed a lot of systems and a lot of things and the way we do a lot of things and expose people and institutions for the better because people really who didn't know are really starting to see how things are happening. Being a Black person in America is like a double-edged sword. It's sometimes like you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. People want you to pull yourself up from your bootstraps, and I have done that. I've done that all my life. I've done that from a kid that's come with nothing and a broken home, and I've done that. And sometimes it just feels like it's kind of like a kick in the teeth because it's like it keeps happening over and over again. It's like I feel like, well, do I do I get the short end of the stick just because of that's just how life is? Does it have something to do with the fact that I'm a single mother of Black woman? In the coming months, as more businesses reopen and the economy starts to get back on track, it's an open question as to whether this recovery will follow the same slow path for Black Americans. I think it's too soon to know how things will look sort of in the next few months, right? But I think that these inequities in terms of wealth are longstanding. It's going to take a while to remedy these huge disparities. Because as we've been talking about, they are so interconnected to so many other things. But at the same time, the business owners and the Black workers I talked to said that this moment feels different to them. It feels like more people are saying, okay, yes, this is a problem. And there's just this feeling like, okay, yes, like African-Americans have been strong and you know, endured so many things throughout the history of this country, but, like, at some point, enough has to be enough, right? And that's not just in policing. It's also when we talk about the economy and whether it works and who it works for. That's all for today. Thursday, June 11th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Special thanks to Eric Morath for his reporting on this story. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.